Happy Friday, Story Fam. And when I say happy this week, I really, really mean it. We have so much to be joyful about. Uh, you know, Christmas is just around the corner, and this weather we're having in Houston is just delightful. And, you know, there's still a chance Carlos Correa might resign with the Astros. After seven grueling months riddled with uncertainty, seven months that I'm pretty sure have aged me by at least seven years, seven months of not knowing what the future could hold for the Story Church, we have some big news. Big, big, beautiful news. And I can't wait to share it with you, but I can't do it yet. This Sunday at the Story Church, we're going to have the big reveal, the big announcement. So I hope you can join us at our River Oaks campus or online or at our Timber Grove campus. We would love to see you guys at the Story this Sunday. Now let's get to uh, this week's reflection, which is on the Christmas season, and it's called The Myth of the Mythical Jesus. Now, I know it's weird for me to say this, being a pastor and all, but there was a time in my life, not that long ago, when I believed that Christmas was pretty much just an empty tradition, just another plastic religious celebration. You know, starting in college and throughout most of my 20s, I believed that there was a decent chance that Jesus of Nazareth never actually existed, at least not as we think of him. I used to buy books with titles like, Did Jesus Exist? That was the actual title of a book written by the famous Bible scholar and avowed atheist, Dr. Bart Ehrman, just to bolster my case and have my arguments ready whenever faced with evangelical Christians. Christians like to say that Jesus is the king of kings, but back then I realized that he's just the myth of myths, or so I thought. Just one more in a long line of man-made mythical figures created to manipulate and control people. That's where my head was at back then. As I began to deconstruct the faith of my youth, I fell for this lie that the only reason that I'd been a Christian in the first place was because I didn't know I had a choice. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I didn't know any better. I just believed what my church leaders told me to believe. Once I went away to college and began to absorb all the bold insights of my seemingly brilliant professors of philosophy and religion, I realized that I'd been duped by all the Christians in my life thus far. I learned, for example, about the many other gods of old. Older gods than, you know, Jesus. They were around before Jesus, I was told. And these gods were said to have been virgin-born and to have had 12 disciples and to have performed miracles and to have been crucified and resurrected just like you-know-who. During that time in my life, I sat through Christian worship services and endless sermons, thinking to myself, how could anyone with half a brain believe this stuff? It's absolutely absurd. Now, how did that angry young cynic I'm describing become a passionate pastor who is fully convinced of Jesus's legitimacy today? Well, frankly, I started reading for myself. I read the Bible and other books about the Bible. I read the holy books of other faiths. I read works by Christian and non-Christian scholars alike, both ancient and contemporary. And in all my research, I discovered two things that fundamentally changed my worldview. First, I discovered that deconstructing everyone else's beliefs was really just a clever way of never having to explain what I believe and why, because 
I didn't have any real beliefs in that season of my life. I simply criticized everyone who did. Second, I realized that I had misidentified my manipulators. You see, I thought it was just the Christians in my life who were guilty of making stuff up about Jesus to consolidate their power and to control people. That's what I had always heard in my classes in college and gleaned from my news outlets of choice. But upon doing my own research, it wasn't hard to see that I had, in fact, been manipulated, but it wasn't by Christians or the church or the Bible or my religion of my youth. I had been manipulated by a movement that is increasingly prevalent in much of academia and mass media today, the goal of which seems to be to make all religions, and especially Christianity, seem quaint and silly, like something only old people and uneducated folks believe because they've got nothing else to do. Once I began to see how manipulative the secular voices in my life had been, I kept digging I discovered that in many cases, those ancient pagan gods who, like Jesus, were said to have been born of virgins with 12 disciples or were crucified and resurrection, resurrected, were actually never said to have done any of those things. In fact, the only examples of any ancient pagan deities being virgin-born, crucified, or resurrected are those whose narratives were altered after the life of Jesus. What does this mean? You see, I was told that the early Christians copied the pagans when they mythologized their Jesus to look like the pagan gods. But the historical record reveals it was actually the pagans who rewrote their gods' mythologies to make them look and sound more like Jesus. Now, I also learned that virtually all modern reputable scholars now acknowledge the historical existence of Jesus including Bart Ehrman in his aforementioned book, Did Jesus Exist? Check out this quote from the atheist scholar. He wrote, The idea that Jesus did not exist is a modern notion. It has no ancient precedence. It was made up in the 18th century. One might as well call it the myth, a modern myth, the myth of the mythical Jesus. The people who wrote the New Testament most of which was written in the 40s, 50s, and 60s AD, they clearly believed that Jesus was a historical figure. Just look at the way Luke begins his gospel. He writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now, this isn't how you write a myth. This is how you write a, a report an actual report of actual events. He continues, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I decided, too, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. That's Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, they were also convinced that Jesus was God. He wasn't just a man whose followers posthumously promoted him to godlike status. Jesus was and is the one true God, according to his followers. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and lived among us. That's verses 1 and 14. Jesus of Nazareth really existed. He really walked the earth. He took up space, and he... he he worked a job and he went to work and school and 
spent time with family like every other human being, like all of us. And he started a movement, and his movement has somehow outlived and outlasted him, at least his earthly existence, by 2,000 years as Christianity continues to change the world today. But the question is, was, was the baby at the center of our nativity scenes and our Christmas celebrations just another baby? who grew up to become a persuasive preacher with a God complex? Or did the fullness of God dwell in that newborn baby boy? Now, if the former is true, then Christmas really is just another empty holiday, just another void tradition. But if Jesus is truly God, then everything changes. Our whole perspective must shift because if he's legitimate, we can trust that Almighty God is for us, that He is with us, and that He is more than willing to forgive us. In fact, He will go to any lengths to bridge the gap between us and Him. And if this is the truth, and I believe firmly that it is, then the classic Christmas hymn we'll all sing for the rest of this month is right. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in Thee tonight. Friends, I believe that's the power of Jesus, and that's the true meaning of Christmas. So I pray you'll get your heart ready as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus later this month. I love you all. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you this Sunday for our special announcement at the Story Church. Bye, everybody.